You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Forget those Sunday night blues for a second with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I am Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is super amazing, sometimes... Uh, wistful Jonathan Strickland. For a moment, Ariel, I thought you were going to say I'm sometimes super amazing. Ariel, I've got a question for you. So, Ariel, uh, you are a fan of the Star Trek, correct? I I am a fan of the Star that, Trek. That wasn't your question. That was just the Oh, darn. It was an easy one. It was an easy one. This could still be an easy one. So my question for you is, if you were a crew member on the Starship Enterprise, which department or position would you work in? So would you be part of engineering? Would you be part of the bridge crew? If so, which position? Would you be in science or security or tactical? What would you what would you do? And, uh, And for the for the purposes of clarity, we're looking at Star Trek Next Generation era. Okay, that's that's good because, you know, it automa- you, your question automatically took out Deep Space Nine, which is my favorite of them. Uh, so I would be, I think I'd be in, in the education department. I would be the one teaching the kids on the Enterprise. Groovy. 
Awesome. Yeah, because that's something that obviously would not apply in the original series because the original Enterprise didn't have families aboard the way mm-hmm. Next Generation did. That's a great answer. Thank you. Uh, if, if it were original series, I think I would be in science. I want to I want to do the sciencey things. Yeah, you look good in blue. Thank you. What would you do? Uh, oh, thank you for asking. Uh, Next Generation, I'm a lounge singer at 10 Forward. You know what? That's that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. I'm a little sad I didn't say that. Well, I have the benefit <laughs> of thinking up the question, so, <laughs> so you're always a, a disadvantage. Uh, but yes, it's time for us to launch into 2021. Happy New Year, Ariel. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year, Jonathan. And uh, we thought we would start off by talking about how uh, if we did anything geeky at the beginning of 2021. I kind of have an answer for this, but I'm curious what you did. Uh, Well, I threw aside all of my New Year's resolutions to get in shape and be more active and be more productive. And I spent the entire first day of 2021 binge watching the third season of Cobra Kai. And it was pretty fantastic. So you uh, not that I'm going to drop any spoilers here because there may be people who have not watched it yet, but you Mm -hmm. got to see the uh, the return of a, a character from the Karate Kid franchise who had been hinted at previously, I take it. Yes. Excellent. Yes. There, there were many, uh, many moments that had me happy, that had me crying, that had me yelling, no, at my TV screen. Uh, it was really fantastic. That's awesome. Well, I, uh, I didn't really do much of anything on New Year's Day. I'm not, I'm not, to be per- perfectly honest, I'm not big on celebrating New Year's, even on years when, I can go out of the house, but uh, I will say that uh, yesterday, as of when we're recording this, we're recording this on Monday night, so it's January 4th where we are. Uh, On January 3rd, I watched the first episode of The Watch, the BBC series that is loosely inspired by the Terry Pratchett Discworld novels, and uh, even going into it knowing that there was a huge gap between the source material and this adaptation or this series, even going into it, knowing that I was like, I don't even, I don't even know why they bothered because, uh, I think this will be a discussion topic for a future episode of LNC, Mm -hmm. but there comes a point, I think when you're working with source material, when you get far enough away from it, that it just leads to questions like, why did you even, bother being associated with the source material if you're going to be this far away from it. Yeah, I I think sometimes people decide to make a a, a movie or a television show because they love a property, but their idea is just inspired by. Yeah, well, I, I described it. I described it to people on Twitter. I said it was as if someone had skimmed the Discworld books and then badly described them to somebody else who happened to be a big fan of train spotting. And that person went and made the series because there is a very kind of punk rock train spotting element to the series. That is not something that's inherent in the books, uh, but you know, to each their own, I'm not saying it's a bad series, by the way, I'm saying I didn't like it because I really love the source material. And I just felt that, it was so far from that source material that it was more distracting 
than anything else. I couldn't even think of it as being like, this is a fun alternate universe take on it. To me, it was just mm-hmm. like, what's the point? So yeah. anyway, but we'll get into more of that in a future episode of LNC. Not specifically that example necessarily, but this this trend of adaptations or reboots that are only tangentially based on the source material. But for today, we've got some other news to cover. Hey there, it's Jonathan from the future. I'm interrupting this episode of Large Nerdron Collider because our first topic that we covered in this episode was on a news story that was since proven to be false. And so I needed to remove it before this episode aired. And that means that we have an odd transition into what would have been our second story, but now is our first story because that's how time travel works. Thank you for coming on this time travel adventure with me. Let's rejoin the show already in progress. The next thing we want to talk about is Superman and Lois, the new CW show, uh, is has a trailer. Yeah, more of a teaser, but yeah. More of, it's a, it's a teaser. It, you know, it came out right around the new year. And it's not surprising we knew this show was coming up. Uh, we knew that a bunch of other CW superhero shows were ending. And, you know, I think it's good of them to end shows before they've been on too long and give us new things. I really like uh, Superman and Lois as they were depicted in Supergirl. So from my viewing of them in Supergirl, I was excited about this series, but the teaser didn't really spark my interest the same way the news about the show did. Interesting. Now, uh, I never watched Supergirl, so full disclosure there. Are we talking about the same actors playing Superman and Lois in this series as from Supergirl? Yes. Okay. And yes. and in the Supergirl series, are they already parents? You know, I I don't know. I think that they because <laughs> I'm I think that they became children or they became parents in Crisis on Infinite Earth, which full disclosure uh, I'm still working my way through. Gotcha. Um. <laughs> but in, in the new series, they are they have moved back to Smallville. They have two sons um, who I, I believe are teenagers. At least that's the way they look in the teaser. And so the teaser kind of just touches on the fact that there are these uh, uh, the, the story is going to really revolve around Superman and his family. Uh, to me, it raises a lot of questions like how alien and humans have interoperable DNA. But, you know, hey. Who? Listen, <laughs> the the comics already play with that loose and fast. So the TV show, show doing it is nothing new. Uh, I will say that when we watched the trailer, it, it didn't, it was very different from any other sort of trailer for CW superhero shows that I've seen. It almost looked like an animated comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing about it is they show a lot of like, the crystalline world that, you know, uh, the Phantom Zone, they show the Phantom Zone in this, in crystals in the original Superman movie. Um, But there is a story in Infinite Crisis where uh, Superman and Superboy and all these people end up being bad guys because uh, Luther is trying to create their own universe and they escape this crystalline world and then end up killing a bunch of people. Uh, and it's actually a part of that ties into Wonder Woman 84 with uh, Wonder Woman and Max Lord, as we saw at the end 
of the Wonder Woman movie that just came out. Wonder Woman 84. I'm being repetitive, everybody. Sorry. Yeah, they uh, couldn't call it WW2 because that would be confusing. That would be confusing. But that storyline, even though, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, isn't exactly as it goes in the comics, is something that ties into that story where Superman's the bad guy. And it kind of looked like that in the trailer. Now, again, I don't necessarily think they will do that, but it was an interesting parallel considering the release of both um, pieces of media. Mm. Well, I I am so far unenthused by this, but then also to be fair, like I said, I haven't been following any of the DC television series. So Mm. arguably this is more because I haven't gone to the trouble of finding those and watching them rather than a, a comment on the concept of the show itself. I just feel like this is something that has passed me by. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I I need to watch more Legends of Tomorrow. That's one that hit me poorly at the beginning and then apparently got really good. Our next story is about another trailer. This one for Evangelion, mm-hmm. or Evangelion if you prefer, uh, 3.0 plus 1.0, which... Why? But anyway, it's the fourth film. (laughs) I guess that's why, because it's the fourth film in a trilogy. But it's the fourth film uh, that is set in this universe and is to conclude the Evangelion storylines, which if you are not familiar, it's an anime series that is uh, all about these uh, young kids uh, or teenagers who are linked to giant mechs, so a very common kind of thread in in Japanese animation, uh, that are battling against angels, these these creatures called angels that are threatening to destroy the world. And this one is supposed to kind of wrap things up. Uh, The series Evangelion had a pretty definitive ending, but it was also an ending that a lot of people just did not like, so it ended up being kind of retconned. It was very, very confusing. Yeah. Uh, a lot, I think a lot got lost in translation uh, between the original story and the American translation mm-hmm. of it. So, yeah. So this new one is is a very different ending and kind of takes all of the mech pilots to new storylines and, and new uh, adventures. And, while, yeah, they all of them have been like, while concluding, all of them have been like 1.1, 2.2, 3.33. So... Yeah, I don't know why they're doing the the weird naming convention, but um, I'm excited for it. I watched the entire series. I own all of the videos up to this point. Um, so, well, and, and this is a series that has gained uh, a lot of credit for doing things like like reinvigorating anime in Japan and mm-hmm. also uh, adding a new interpretation of the mecha type of animation or the mecha type of trope in Japanese animation, which had kind of run the whole length of where it could go using the the more traditional approach. I mean, I think of everything from, uh, you know, like uh, look at the sort of Battletech type stuff, but you can look at, at um, uh, uh, oh, Gigantor. I knew I could think of, <laughs> I knew if I thought hard enough, it would come up to me. But Gigantor, a classic old anime. Gigantor is a, a great big robot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's controlled by a little kid. It's a common yeah. theme in, in Japan, Japanese animation. So uh, it'll be good to have this series have a send off. 
it, it will. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Along the line of robots, I want to say another thing that I discovered over the New Year's holiday was the video of Boston Dynamics having all of their robots dance to Do You Love Me? So we're going from kind of robot with souls being piloted by kids to just AI robots piloting themselves. Yeah, these were robots, obviously, that were programmed to do a choreographed routine. It's not like they had AI. Were they, Jonathan? Yes, they were. were they? Yes, yes, Ariel, they were. <laughs> they were not using AI to just find the groove. You know how, how I can tell? Because when you get to uh, the mashed potato and I can do the twist and all those songs, they actually do the appropriate dance moves for those dances. So, yes, it was very cute. Uh, I'm sure that most of you have probably seen it. it. It went viral, but in case you haven't, Make sure you search Boston Dynamics Dancing Robots. It is adorable. I am, um, you know, I, it is adorable. And it took all of these robots that were really cool, but kind of creepy and made them lovable to me. Yes, yes, I agree. All right. Well, let's let's have our wrap up, our final news item for this segment. Uh, I'm, I'm calling the audible. Let's talk about the incredible journey of Ratatouille the TikTok musical. Yes. So uh, a bunch of people on TikTok decided they wanted to kind of put together this faux Ratatouille musical, and then it became a real thing. This is crazy, Uh, Ariel, because it started off as one person creating a song and then someone else orchestrating that song as if it were a true Broadway musical. And then other people just leapt in and started to contribute stuff. Like a, a playbill and costume design and things like this. And then, yeah, Seaview uh, Productions announced they were producing the show in association with TikTok. Disney gave its blessing and a whole bunch of celebrities jumped in to perform in it. You know, Titus Burgess, Wayne Brady. Andre uh, DeShields, who was, uh, he was Hermes in Hadestown. Mm-hmm. And he played uh, he played the the critic. Um, in, yeah. in Ratatouille. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. To me, the most fascinating part of this, I mean, apart from the fact that it, it grew organically as a true meme, as people began to contribute to it. The other part that I think is fascinating is that Disney said okay, because that company is notoriously protective of their intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty fantastic. It's very uplifting. Uh, they sold more than a million dollars in tickets, which all went to the Actors Fund to help all of these Broadway performers who aren't currently working. Yeah, you may not be able to watch it. They're saying it's it's only available till January fourth at seven p.m., which is the day we're recording this. So you'll we're talking about it two days late to you, but um, I'm hopeful that they will put it back out on the internet, or you can at least catch clips of this yeah. if you haven't already. My hope is that there'll be a video on demand thing where you can continue to make like a contribution to the actors fund and be able to mm-hmm. see it. But that all depends upon, you know, there, there may actually be agreements in place that with Disney that says that this was a one and one time only thing. I don't know, but that wraps up our news for the beginning of 2021. And when we come back, we're going to have a deeper dive discussion about something that Ariel calls the Goonies effect. But that'll be after this break.
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, so let's talk about the Goonies effect. Yeah, Ariel, what is the Goonies effect? You you coined the, this phrase. 
Uh, I did not coin this phrase. My friends coins this phrase, but it makes a lot of sense to me. So the Goonies effect is when you've got a movie that you watched as a kid, a teenager, and you absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. Just like the transformational movie to you. And then you show it to a friend who didn't watch it when the movie came out, who didn't watch it at a, a pivotal time in their life. And to them, it's just okay. Or even worse. Or even worse. Or it's a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, so one of the movies I hear this most often about is Goonies. Uh, if you if you watched Goonies when you were a kid or a teenager, you probably really liked it. And then if you watched it as an adult, it may not have hit home for you because you're just not in that period of your life anymore. Or it may, it may feel like it's just a bunch of kids constantly screaming because that's kind of what that movie is. And I say that as someone who actually enjoyed it because I was a kid when that movie <laughs> came out. The movie came out in 1985. So I was uh, 10 when the movie came out. And uh, yeah, I was the right age for that to really mm-hmm. hit home. And I enjoyed it. And um, yeah, as an adult, I can recognize like I, I still can watch it and enjoy it because I still have that that nostalgic link to it. But mm-hmm. I also can recognize that it's not necessarily the best film in the world. So uh, <laughs> so our friend Shay Lee, uh, she is someone who does not like the Goonies. And she's told me she's like, I've tried. I've tried watching it. I don't like it. But she's younger than both of us. And uh, she didn't grow up with that movie and it didn't come out at a time where it would have kind of latched on to her. So I've definitely experienced this. I think it can go the other way, too. There can be movies that are pivotal for younger generations that just don't resonate with older ones. So, for Mm -hmm. example, like I know a lot of people who are about maybe five to ten years younger than I am who really like Sandlot. I couldn't care less. Uh, or uh, as to going back to our friend Shay, she loves the movie Hocus Pocus. And I know a lot of my friends who are of her age or even your age, Ariel, which is not Mm. that much older than Shay. I want to be clear, but (laughs) Ariel's (laughs) younger than I am, but older than Shay. Uh, but, um, but like people in, in that age group tend to really like that movie. And again, it does nothing for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Hocus Pocus is one I didn't watch until I'd say the last five years and it was cute. Yeah. But it wasn't the end all be all to me. And I think maybe that's because other movies have done that concept better since that time. And that's what I was introduced to. You know, for me, I think my biggest, my favorite Goonies effect movie is not the the third Star Wars movie, as much as I love Ewoks, because that's <laughs> another big one. Mm-hmm. If, if <laughs> you know, there's a, a big age gap on whether you like Ewoks or not, yep. in theory. Yep. Um, but Flight of the Navigator. Interesting, yeah. The one that, uh, it's a story about a young boy befriending an artificially intelligent spaceship. Spaceship, Voiced, yeah. voiced by Pee Wee Herman. Yes, and it's got Sarah Jessica Parker in it. And to me, this this movie was like the best sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what took sci-fi and made it relatable to me. And I loved it, and I still love it. And whenever I try to introduce somebody to it now, it's hard to even get them to agree to sit through the entire thing. Yeah. Because they look at it and say, why do I want to watch a kid sci-fi from the 80s, 90s with bad special effects? Now, I don't think the special effects were that bad. They used a lot of puppets, but yeah, and, and that's just me. They had some 
like CGI stuff too. The spaceship could change shape and it was a CGI, but it was very shiny, like chrome, like spaceship that was able to, you know, because there wasn't a lot of detail there. It was mm -hmm. more like shapes and angles that it worked out pretty well. Uh, yeah, and a lot of the movies that, that you have listed on our little list here feels like, uh, like part of this is also in pacing because a lot of the movies from say when we were kids had a slightly more methodical pace to them. They were slower paced. Mm -hmm. And some of them are even slow paced for the movies of their day. Like one of the movies you have listed here is Tron, meaning the original Tron, I imagine, not Tron Legacy. Yes. Yeah, Tron. Yes. I fully agree. Tron, I love Tron. And it came out when I was a kid and I thought that movie was absolutely spectacular. But as a kid, I wasn't really following the story so much. I just thought the visuals were really, really cool. As an mm -hmm. adult watching that movie, I'm like, holy cow, there's a lot of dead time. <laughs> and this movie, yeah. this movie's got got long stretches where nothing interesting is happening. Uh, even <laughs> in the weird setting that the movie takes place in, which is, you know, a, a, a in inside a computer. Um, yeah. But yeah, Tron is one of those where I would say, like, getting someone, a younger person who never experienced it to watch it they would probably be bored to tears because the effects are no longer groundbreaking. So mm -hmm. that part's not going to get them. And the story is a little plotting. So I think that one falls in there. I think Dark Crystal, as much as it hurts me to say that, also kind of falls into it. That's kind of a, a methodically paced yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, Tenth Kingdom was one that I swear was amazing and I went back to watch it the other weekend. I, I still love it, but trying to show it to anybody else is a little embarrassing, yeah. which is a mini series that uh, actually Hallmark did. I didn't know at the time. <laughs> John Larroquette um, <laughs> is in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and then there are some that have aged better than I thought. Big, I thought for sure would have a big Goonies effect. Yeah, well, Big, also, Big also has one very problematic scene, but... <laughs> it does. It hasn't aged super well, but it aged well enough to get a Broadway musical that's still yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And some movies, I think, still can resonate with people. I think it just depends on their sensibilities. Um, but others, mm -hmm. I think, really are hard to, to get people hooked on. Like, there are movies from my childhood that I know are very difficult to... Um, to connect to younger audiences. In fact, I've done a whole series of videos and uh, with with Shay called Age of Cinema, where we would introduce films to each other. So she would show me movies mm -hmm. that she had seen, but I had not, and try to explain why they were important to her and see what I got out of them. And I've done the same with her. And uh, it is very interesting to see the results of that uh, both on both sides, because we have mm -hmm. noticed this effect in both ways. And we are largely picking movies that we first encountered as, as you know, a kid that have become important parts of kind of our cultural touchstone. So it is pretty interesting to see how this disconnect can happen. Yeah. I mean, even recently, so I just watched Elf for the first time this holiday season and I'm, I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, I can see why people would like it especially if they were introduced to it when it first came out, when you either had very sarcastic Christmas movies or you had very saccharine Christmas movies, but you didn't have something kind of bridging that gap. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of our media now plays more on, on the, the cheekiness 
than did when Elf first came out. So I think I just missed the gap on that one. Yeah. Yeah, there there I'm sure there are plenty of movies that our listeners can hear think of that are are falling into this category too about these are these are movies that I think are they're not necessarily timely in the sense of their references having been tied to a specific time period or their jokes being reliant upon that. Like this isn't the types of movies where they're constantly making pop culture references and that dates the movie, but they are timely in the sense that the sensibility of the film, the perhaps the production value of the movie, these are the things that really anchor it to the time period when it came out and they, they failed to become evergreen or timeless. Mm -hmm. So there's some movies that I think do become timeless that, you know, generations can enjoy despite the fact that they might be many years removed from the origin of that film. But these are more movies that are, you know, you kind of had to be at the right place at the right time to see them for them to really have Mm. an effect. Which is, it hurts. It hurts my heart because they mean so much to me. And they mean so little to others. I mean, I, under, I understand that. But at the same time, there's so many things that my younger friends really love that just it, the appeal completely escapes me. And I realize that I'm just the old man yelling at a cloud. That's that's who I've become. Well, speaking of yelling at clouds, uh, we've got a really, I think, going to be fun mashup for you. But first, let's take a quick break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, Ariel, so you are the mastermind of picking mashups. So we've mentioned one of the two properties that we're going to mash up today, that being the Goonies. We wanted Mm -hmm. to take that as a starting point. What was the other property? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I picked Guardians of the Galaxy for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, because... Peter Quill, who's the main character of Guardians of the Galaxy, really loves nostalgic things from the 80s. So Yeah, and late 70s. Goonies. And late 70s. So, like, Goonies would be his thing. Actually, Goonies came out after he was abducted, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> and two, because it's got a group of friends that go on adventures together that um, have some uh, few syllabic speaking members. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is already making me worry that my version is going to be very close to yours. So once again, I ask you, Ariel, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Um, I'll go first. All right. All right. Let's see if this is the week that we align. All right. It's 20 years after the events of the first Goonies. Uh, so the Goonies plus Sloth all reconnect in the Goondocks feeling like their lives have been bland ever since their adventures where they found one-eyed Willie's treasure and saved their town. Uh, They gather in the Walsh's old family attic, and that's where they find it, a second treasure map belonging to one-eyed Willie. When they remove it from the floorboards, because they found it in the floorboards of the attic, a high-pitched sound emits from the item. That's weird. Uh, But, you know, these kids love weird, so whatever. They just shrug it off. They're not even kids anymore. These adults just shrug it off. And they decide to follow the map to its treasure for old time's sake. They go through all the booby traps like before. And while they anticipate them more, they're also much bigger. And so this time it's it's still a difficult journey. But eventually they reach the cavern that holds One-Eye Willie's second ship. Just as they enter the cavern, so does a set of ravagers. Turns out the treasure map, once removed from the attic, set off a beacon to Willie's ship. A spaceship? Man, Willie got around. Uh, You see, One-Eyed Willie was the ancestor of Vorker, a member of the Yondu Ravager clan who had been searching for his ancestral treasure to buy off the rest of the Ravager team and overthrow Yondu. If you don't remember who Vorker is, he's the one whose eye got stolen because he only actually is one eye. Uh, The Goonies, plus Sloth, and the Ravagers face off. Don't worry, it's not an unfair fight because the Ravagers, being Ravagers, lost all of their weapons in the attempt to make it through the booby traps. Also, uh, the Goonies learned that the Ravagers can't swim, and once they knock Vorker into the water and realize that, the rest of the Ravagers get knocked in right behind. Unfortunately, all this scuffle caused the cavern exits to collapse, and the only way out is for the Goonies to try to use the spaceship. With enough button mashing, they get sent out into space... 
And that's where this mashup ends. Except for there is a post-credit scene with them docking with Peter Quill's ship and Sloth and Groot having a conversation in the foreground. I am Groot. Sloth love Groot. The end. Well, I can tell you that our versions are not the same. (laughs) So now sit back, relax, and enjoy Goonies of the Galaxy. It's 1985, and Mikey Walsh and his friends are in a pickle. Seems that a local country club is dead set on kicking them all out of house and home, having bought up the mortgages to their parents' homes and preparing to foreclose on all of them, unless the parents should, I don't know, happen to find some sort of magnificent treasure or something. (laughs) As Mikey and his buddies Data, Chunk, and Mouth commiserate over the fact that they will soon be forced to move, a bright light shines down from the skies above. It's a spaceship called the Inferno, captained by a blue mohawked alien dude with an eye patch, one-eyed Yondu. Yondu (laughs) captures the boys and brings them aboard his ship, flying off into the night. The kids only have the stuff that was on them at the time, which thankfully includes a killer mixtape of early 80s songs. Cindy Lauper is on there a lot. Two (laughs) decades later, we see the four friends on a distant planet. They are no longer with one-eyed Yondu. Instead, they've become intergalactic 'er ne'er-do-wells. Data is a cyborg now, with about half his body replaced by various robotic limbs and gadgets, including slick shoes, which his friends tell him is crazy. Mouth is the fast-talking con man of the group, skilled at social manipulation, or at least irritating people so that they're distracted. Chunk (laughs) is now Hunk, having grown out of his chubby phase and packed on some serious muscle. And Mikey is still Mikey, the leader of the gang, the voice (laughs) of reason, and the eternal optimist. The four friends find a mysterious book that has a coded message inside it, telling them of a fabled treasure. It's an orb on a seemingly deserted planet, guarded by various booby traps and puzzles. One by one, the group solves the puzzles blocking their way. The team retrieves the orb, which sets off one-eyed Yondu, who's also after it, and the minions of a Kree named Ronin the Destroyer. The four attempt to evade being captured, and moreover, losing the orb, as they traverse the galaxy. Before long, they find themselves teamed up with four other odd folks. One is Gamora, former minion of the powerful alien Thanos. One is Drax, a literal-minded alien intent on getting revenge on Ronin. One is Rocket, a raccoon-like creature who can talk. And the fourth is Sloth, Rocket's dearest friend, who can only communicate with, I am Sloth, but Rocket understands him. Together, they must try to prevent Ronan and his henchmen, the Fratellis, from getting hold of the orb, which actually holds the Power Stone. In the end, good triumphs over evil, and Cindy Lauper sings us out. And we're left to wonder, hey, why didn't those kids ever bother to go back to Earth and see how folks were doing? Oh, also Hunk teaches Drax how to do the truffle shuffle. The end. My hat off to you, Jonathan. That was amazing. And that was a mashup. Mine was more of a sequel, so. <laughs> well, I, I I started with the what if what if Groot was sloth? I'm like, I, I realize I am removing potentially the most beloved character from the Guardians of the Galaxy series. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, that's exactly what I would do anyway, because I'm kind of a jerk face. <laughs> Well, Sloth was also very lovable, and for what it's worth, I did name mine Goonies of the Galaxy. I almost named it Guardians of the Goondocks, but... uh, Yeah, I was waiting to hear 
I was waiting to hear what you named yours and I was either going to go, I was going to go the other way. I was either going to be Goonies of the Galaxy or Guardians of the Goonies. <laughs> there you go. So either way, it would have, I would have gone with it. But since you didn't name yours at the top, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm safe here. But that was, uh, that yeah. was our take on a mashup of what it would look like if you mixed the Goonies with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And we're curious if you guys have any thoughts on what such a mashup would look like. Would it be similar to what we did or would you go a totally different direction? If you have any ideas on that or maybe other mashups you would like us to do in the future, let us know. Or even, you know, like topics we should discuss in future episodes of LNC. Yeah. Where can they reach out to us, Ariel? Well, you can reach out to us on Twitter at LNC underscore podcast or on Instagram or Facebook at Large Nerdron Collider. Send us a DM, send us a message. If we like it, we'll read it on the air, you know, or you can even tell us what movies you think you love that have a Goonies effect. Yeah. And I might watch them. Yeah, that, that, that'd be good to hear. <laughs> and uh, also, don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a review, recommend us to friends. Really does help a lot. That sort of word of mouth is what shows like ours depend upon. So we would greatly appreciate it. And until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I am Ariel. Justin. The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.